3: Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan.
1: And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human.
3: This is Cheaper Than Therapy.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. We have Rachel here with us today, who uh, wrote in wanting to do a coaching session. So I'm going to let you kind of take us there. What is it we're talking about today?
4: Yeah, um, well, I'm married and have been with my husband for almost a decade now, legally married for just under three years. And um, both of us come from family histories of uh, a lot of codependency. And Mm -hmm. um, it's gotten to the point, at least for me, where I've been stepping into understanding wanting to heal this. And as I'm doing so, I'm noticing myself significantly becoming emotionally detached.
2: Mm-hmm. And
4: it's concerning to me because I question, is this okay for a marriage to continue in this space? Or am I recognizing that maybe he and I are just no longer a fit and wondering if separating is the healthier Of options. Um, Both Mm -hmm. of us feel as though we have not been getting our needs met for almost the entire time we've been together. And Mm -hmm. it's it's concerning because if we've never been feeling we've been getting those needs met, um, is it possible to get those needs met with each other? Um, Is it possible to heal this codependency and stay in relationship or just I guess the question is how to discern what to do and how to move forward in this type of a situation.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, Rachel, I guess the first thing that comes up that I want to ask is when you talk about those needs that aren't getting met for each of you, do you have an idea of what those are? Like a couple for your partner, a couple for you, what those might be and what they look like?
4: Sure. Um, Well, first and foremost, we do have different love languages. So we we receive and express love differently for each other. Mm Um, when it comes to my needs, I very much crave that physical intimacy, um, a lot of affection. Um, maybe it's, you know, like my romanticized brain that just wants to feel wanted and and truly desired and respected by my partner. And because, um, there's a there's been a lot of unhealed conflict that has happened that has caused me to feel um not respected mm-hmm. um there's that and then as far as from his point of view, he feels like basic needs of um just structure being punctual um mm-hmm. not um not taking his stuff like being um <sighs> yeah, I guess, guess structured is, is his main form of, um, safety and security. And, uh, that's just not me, unfortunately.
3: Hmm. Okay. I
2: feel like
1: I'm listening and I'm thinking this feels like the opposite almost of my, of my partnership. Like if structure and safety is one person's kind of Mm -hmm. love language and the other person's is like desire and passion. (laughs) Um, they can live together but there definitely feels like there can be some headbutting in those two mm-hmm. right and obviously we're drawn to each other at the point that we were drawn to each other in our lives for a reason um, usually it's because somewhere unconsciously we there's a couple things like we see the beauty in that contrast and there's something attractive about somebody who sees the world differently than we do um, you know partly it's because i think unconsciously we we want to heal parts of ourselves and most of the time, we can only heal those parts when they're activated. And so it's almost like we seek out that activation. Then there's the like, how much of it is you guys, um, what what smells familiar, right? Like we're, we're bringing people into our sphere that feel like home, right? How we were raised. And so then we go through these processes of like getting to know ourselves and actually growing up, right? Evolving. And we're like, uh, wait, <laughs> how much of this is sustainable, right? Mm-hmm. And in what I want. And I guess that would be my lead into the next question is like, What is it that you desire in a partnership? Do you know? Are you able to articulate that?
4: I think this is something, this is a self-reflection that I've been working on myself um, deeply for the last two years. Um, And I'm just recognizing more so what I desire is not what I'm in. And that Mm -hmm. is majorly concerning for me. It hurts my heart because there is such a deep love that I have for my husband. And I know that that's, that's reflected back to me as well. um, Conversation that he and I have regularly, but the fact is we cause each other a lot of, a lot of hurt and emotional uh, discomfort, despite our efforts in um, avoiding that really, and trying to um, find and create that sense of safety for each other. It's just, it's constant, it feels like. And it's just been escalating more so than alleviating. Um, I will say that he and I are both, we, we have been diving into our own individual therapy and we did couples therapy for a while. Um, so there's a lot that we are aware now of that we were not aware of previously. So the conversations that we are having are more conscious in that sense. Um, and,
3: we still have these challenges. Mm
4: -hmm. Mm
3: -hmm. You know, you named something, Rachel, that I think is a really important part of the conversation that I don't hear people speak about often when we're talking about couples work. And I work primarily as a couples therapist. And what I think is really important to name is that a lot of times in attempting to defend this societal paradigm, that the worst thing we can be is not partnered or that if a marriage or a partnership ends, that means that somehow we have failed is we're not really being honest about the fact that we are literally like destroying one another and pulling at one another's life force often in an attempt to keep this unit intact. And I find and say to couples often, I think sometimes what we need to normalize is the way that we can love one another better, not in the context of this, um, this union. Now, that's not me making any sort of a statement about what I think you should do. But I do think that that is um, an important thing that we need to start bringing into the conversation more around whether or not we stay in partnerships, because I think sometimes in the attempt to keep something intact, we are really not being very loving to this other human. The question that's coming forward that I want to ask you to think about is what are the fears that come to the surface for you when you think about not being in this um, 10-year partnership anymore? You said it's been 10 years that you've been together, right? So Mm -hmm. I would imagine it brings a lot of things to the surface when you think about being separated from that. What are some of those fears for you?
4: That I'm not doing enough to make this work. That Mm -hmm. um, I will... I will fail, that I have failed, that um, if only I had this awareness earlier and had been actively working on these things sooner, um, things would not have escalated to the point that they have. And um, it it hurts my heart there. I know that I personally have deep wounds, don't necessarily know where they come from, but I know that they exist of the the not enoughness, um, not being worthy, not being deserving. Um, so it for me, I go into this place of self-reflection of um, yeah, what 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 can I do better? We can always be better, mm-hmm. always be better, like in every situation. Mm-hmm. But um realistically, I think uh that's what I face.
3: You know, to me that's kind of good news, <laughs> Rachel, because the thing is the things that you're describing aren't really from my perspective, connected to survival, they're connected more to self-judgment. Now, if you Mm -hmm. were like, I don't know how I would survive. I don't know how Mm -hmm. I would pay bills. Then we would Mm -hmm. be in a very different conversation right now. But if it's about the self-judgment or the societal judgment or the idea that somehow I have failed, those things are like beautiful. We can work with that because to me, that's actually not the point of partnership. I believe that this is a life school. And I think within this life school, the point of our partnerships are to bring us into deeper levels of understanding about the things that we have to heal. So, of course, you didn't understand certain things early in your partnership that you can see more clearly now, of course, your childhood wounds have come to the surface within the context of this relational container, because that's what it's there for. Um, And I think we really need to normalize more and more. We didn't Come into these unions, whatever they are, to do things perfectly. We came to learn about ourselves because inevitably, in partnership, all of our stuff will come up for us to see and look at. Um, and so, you get to hold yourself with so much unbelievable grace for what you didn't know when you didn't know it, and. I don't believe that partnerships should be some kind of a life sentence where we we made this choice and now we got to live it out because heaven forbid I let someone down or I failed like I don't I don't buy into that. Someone else <laughs> might disagree with me and you know you're welcome to get their two cents on it but I just don't think that the point of partnership is for us to live out our life sentence because we said we would do it forever and ever amen. Do you know what I mean?
4: Yeah, I Because I I think about, you know, in that moment where vows have been exchanged and we make this promise to each other that it's, you know, like through thick and thin, through everything, like we're, no matter what, we're here, we're going to, we're going to figure it out. We're going to work through it. For me, it's like, okay. Like I see two almost parallel realities where it's Mm -hmm. like, I can continue to work on this and feel the way that I am and just continue to do my own inner work and hopefully at some point rise above it. Mm. Or... I can see that this relationship has served its purpose for the chapter that it has and choose to follow what lights me up internally Mm -hmm. and where I'm feeling intense passion and desire just going down that road. So it's being faced with a choice and not knowing what choice is the best one to make.
1: Well, what if there's no such thing? Right? (sighs) Like, what if... There is no such thing as the wrong choice. And, you know, it's hard for us because human animals, I mean, we want things to make sense and feel safe and be black and white and be structured and, um, you know, there's safety and, and survival in that way of looking at things. And that doesn't hold the beauty and the paradox of what the world and the universe really is. Right. And it's that whole, um, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen next year, right? And um, I think going back to what Danae was saying about loving someone, what we know for sure is that we get to a place where we hate each other's guts before we're able to like let go of the reins, right? Um, there's probably no hope for a loving relationship. Now, loving can mean a lot of things, right? But if we allow the relationship to change form while there still is a lot of love and respect there, we don't know where that relationship could go. Not even just romantic, right? But just like how much more actually fulfilling and satisfying and loving that relationship could be if we actually like let go of the stranglehold that we have on, it has to look this way or else. Um, and I have found with couples that I've worked with, or even individuals who actually have allowed themselves to let go a little bit while they are still in a loving place, they've been almost shocked at how amazing their relationship with that person is on the other side of allowing it to evolve and change. And I don't know that it would be that way if they had, again, held out until it was like, well, we hate each other so much. We can't even look each other in the face anymore, you know?
4: Mm. Yeah, that Um, makes sense.
3: The other thing I just want to name is I heard you say best choice, Mm -hmm. which is important because that's different than right and wrong. And to me, the best choice is the truth. Mm -hmm. And then we sort of let life and the chips fall where they will. But if there are truths that we cannot speak because we are attempting to maintain something, if there are ways that we know we are living out of alignment, but we have to do it because I don't want to cause another person pain. I would bring that beautiful reminder from Glennon Doyle in that there is no such thing as one-way liberation. So whatever is the truth that sets you free, I promise you, Rachel, there is some way that that also may not immediately, but inevitably at some point also sets your partner free because I just don't believe we are meant to stay small in containers where we are safe, but we are not living the fullest embodiment of what we are capable of living in this lifetime. Now, again, my belief system, but to me, the truth is like where we are in alignment with what is best.
4: Yeah. Thank you. Um, I do recognize that out of my own self-inflicted fears and, and stories, I, I have not spoken truthfully um, due to fears of criticism and attack on the receiving end. Um, and I guess in a way, there's a bit of um, like a feeling of lack of emotional safety as a result of that, uh, which mm-hmm. still stands very true for me. And I when I've expressed this, um, i'm I'm met with, well, this is your story. Like y- only you can change that story for yourself. So then I go into a place of, well, yeah, it, it is then all on me. So if this does not work, if this relationship does not work, that's, that's because I failed to change the stories that I'm telling
1: myself. Does that make sense? Or <laughs> it's one, it. one way of holding it. Yeah. Or going back to what I was saying when I first, when we first started talking, um, or you you were bringing this person in to teach you about that story. And now that you know it's a story you have and it's in your awareness, it's not necessarily meant that you're going to heal that story or allow that story within this container. Maybe that container was actually here to bring it to light. Right? And so just because a relationship and this isn't just romantic i mean this is any relationship just because a romantic or a relationship rather brings something up doesn't mean that then it's also going to be the one that heals that thing mm. i see a lot of times people will have these revelations about themselves or about their history and their patterns within a relationship and again i've seen it in friend relationships right um and then they keep trying to to heal it within the, that and it doesn't work it's like the stove is always going to be hot no matter how hard i touch it and then they mm. go And they actually heal it in a different container because they realize like, oh, I have, you know, your example, I have um, a story of not feeling emotionally safe. And then they find even maybe a friendship where there is so much emotional safety provided and they start, and this happened, I think, even like Danae in my relationship. And then they start to realize like, oh, no, no, there are people out there who kind of can show me that that exists, that emotional safety exists. And within that kind of container, there's so much healing around, actually, I'm okay. I'm safe. I can express myself. I won't be snuffed out. I won't be attacked. I won't be, right? Um, and But I don't know that that would have happened in like my last relationship where I had that revelation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: That's
3: yeah. a really good point for you. I think there's something in the resistance to failing. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes we have put in so much time and energy and like a portion of our life into something Mm -hmm. that, you know, I find like, sometimes the brave thing is to let go. Sometimes the like braver choice is to not keep fighting. And that's very much not, um, I don't know. It's not sort of what we're conditioned to think, right? Like that you keep fighting, you keep fixing, you keep working. And sometimes Mm -hmm. like the like brave choice is to say, no, I'm, I'm out, you know, I'm, um, I'm making another choice. I'm doing another thing. And, um, and not seeing that as a failure, you know?
4: Yeah. I can see how reframing that into a place of, um, Embracing bravery and courage, yeah, because fear I feel like is it's gonna arise no matter what um but the choice in letting love versus letting fear lead the way, I think is um yeah, like what we're constantly faced with as humans and. Mm-hmm. It's just a reminder to myself of how, um, yeah, how to, how I choose to operate my life from what place. So thank you. And
1: Well, and, and you, you choosing too. I mean, I think this is another thing that I, I find I'm having conversations with a lot with people when, whether we're talking about a relationship, whether we're talking about a career, whether we're talking about children, doesn't really matter, but it's this idea of you will take the action or whatever that action is. You'll take the action when you're ready to take the action too. Because I think that sometimes in our very like linear way of thinking, it's like, but I got to do it. I got to do it now. And I got to make the choice. And like, I'm wasting time. And we get into this space of like right, panic around like, it's got to be right now. I'm wasting something. And um, sometimes I have seen people act out of that space, which by the way, is also fear because there's constriction and needing to make a decision about something right now. Right. Um, And then also regret it. Right. Maybe they don't regret, let's say in this example, like ending the relationship, but they regret how they did it. They regret the way it all unfolded. Right. And they realize that maybe that it would have unfolded differently had they, you know, waited. I'm not saying to wait or not wait. I think going back to what Danae is saying, like I have no agenda here in whether or not you stay in this relationship or not. But I only offer that as a way to like remind you that just like we said earlier, there's no such thing as a wrong choice. Um, There's also like no such thing as, I don't know how to word that, I guess, but I think you see what I'm saying. It's like, you don't got to do it right now because right now is the, you know, it's like give yourself a little grace in knowing that um, making a decision too has to come from like the body just as much Mm -hmm. as it has to come from the head, if that makes sense.
4: Yeah. yeah that that does make sense because i mean i I do notice for me like as I continue to um, do my own inner work and I'm aware of um what I'm experiencing and feeling those sensations in my body that um even when I'm working through those stories that my body my nervous system is just like red alert red alert red alert like, mm-hmm, get out of mm-hmm. here um yeah like no matter what I'm saying like I feel like the the body's not necessarily gonna lie to us Mm -hmm. um I don't know like I I believe that intuition and and whatnot really play a major factor here and the body responds in its own way to that as well and um I think for a long time I've been ignoring and denying my body's cues that Mm -hmm. I'm not feeling safe and haven't for many many years um And I'm not, I'm not saying that there haven't been moments where I have felt safe. I mean, I wouldn't have married the man if, Mm -hmm. you know, he wasn't um, a good human. Like he, he is like, I genuinely do. I see him. I see how hard he works. I see how, how big and compassionate his heart is. um, And I see how we just don't always make things easier for each other.
3: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, two things that came up as you were saying that, Rachel. Well, the first is, I think that's the other thing that is the really difficult space to sit in that people don't talk about a lot when this is a very good person Mm -hmm. and there is a lot of love here and there is no reason on paper that this shouldn't necessarily be able to continue. But I feel that something about this isn't true for me. Um, That that's enough, you know, and that, again... um, to Vanessa's point, that's not any sort of a statement about what you should or shouldn't do at this moment in time. But I think that we can also normalize for ourselves that sometimes relationships with very, very good people expire and need to change form. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I wanted to say about what, you know, V was saying and that what you were saying about like, sometimes like it's not a now thing. It's like, a, I don't, I don't know. And so like, when I don't know what to do, do nothing. But what mm-hmm. I will say in the context of what you were saying earlier about codependency is the action we can take now is to start to take inventory of where we're not telling the truth, mm-hmm. where we are doing a little bit of manipulating by going along to get along, Mm -hmm. keeping this person comfortable by not saying the thing, minimizing our truth so that everything between us is okay. Those are little action steps that we can start to take in our dynamic. And I find when we start to tell the truth more, things will either rise into a space of truth where we are actually able to meet one another in integrity in this dynamic, or the relationship will fall away as it's meant to but that is the action step that I don't have to wait for. Like, no, I don't have to like go and decide to get divorce papers tomorrow, but what I can decide I'm not going to do anymore is minimize myself and, you know, not tell the truth about things that I know are not the truth because I want to keep us good. You know, like Mm -hmm. that we can start doing in this moment.
4: Yeah. Do you, do you have any advice in terms of, or like tools that can be put into place in terms of um, deepening inner self-confidence and trusting in the self and and what the truth
1: hmm.
4: is. Because I, I also recognize that as a result of the codependencies and the way he and I communicate, I've lost a lot of that. And I look mm-hmm. to him for... Like being the one that is the, the truth holder and therefore my mm. truth is minimized. I minimize yeah. my truth because I don't, I don't trust myself enough to make um, the the best choice,
3: if you will. I think there's no shortcut for that work, Rachel, you know, that is about being in relationship with myself. And that is what we talk about when we talk about the inner work, that is precisely what we're talking about. Right. And I think it just becomes like going on an inner quest to like really get clear about what is true for me, what resonates, what doesn't, why does it resonate? You know, and a lot of that is the work of being in stillness every day, like sitting in the contemplative space of like, do you meditate? Mm -hmm. um, like being in that relationship with yourself every day, journaling, like really starting to like draw from wisdom teachers whose, um, work may resonate with where you're expanding into and like the growth that you want to carry out. But it's, it's that, um, that is where there isn't a linear timeline, I guess, you know, like, all of a sudden I feel like we come into the realization of certain truths for ourselves, and nobody can tell us otherwise. And Mm -hmm. you're right. Like when we've spent a lifetime of attempting to um, maintain attachments by minimizing our truth, it can get really murky. It's like, is this my truth? Is this your truth? I don't even know where my truth begins and yours ends and vice versa. Um, And that is about like, you know, some of you were saying in the beginning you were saying i find myself like emotionally detaching, I'm going to go ahead and give you a permission slip to make that. Okay. Hmm. To give yourself a little bit more space to be in relationship with myself, even in the context of this relationship. And it's not like with animosity, it's not with like an attitude. It's just, I am really in the space of, um, you know, like what they would, say in, um, tarot is like in that, like hanged man energy or like really like where I'm going inward and I'm like doing some spiritual seeking for me and that, that gets to be okay. And if it's not okay, we can talk about what that brings up for you, but I don't have to fix it for you. Right. Um, I can be in the space of like, no, this is just like a moment where I'm really knowing that I need to like build my relationship with myself a little bit more. And I'm going to give myself permission to do that.
1: I want to build on that really quick too and say that's all. I mean, that's the work, right? Like Danae said, I mean, this is exactly what we say when we say the inner work. And in the micro moments, I would offer a continued relationship build with the body as mm-hmm. an opportunity to practice those skills and actually practice not just knowing, but saying it out loud. Um, and so, you know, if there's a, a moment of conflict or you're feeling some sort of way and you don't know, like, what is that feeling? What is the truth? um, Speak to what's going on in your system, like get messy in sharing out loud the process, not for his sake, but for your sake, right? And so um I... I recognize enough in myself and I and I value that enough to speak it out loud, not because I needed to be validated or understood, but because it's important for me to say the words. It's important for me to say, you know what? I don't really know how I feel about that, but I know that my stomach is clenching and my face feels hot and I'm feeling a little flooded and I think I need to walk away. That can be enough. And that is your truth, actually. That is true, right? There's nothing false or incorrect in that statement in that moment. And that's a skill that needs to be honed and practiced, especially for those of us who do what you just said, which is I've given away my truth to somebody else my entire life. And so even just turning it inward on what is going on in your internal world and then saying that out loud, you're starting to tell yourself that you trust yourself. You're starting to tell yourself that you're listening, that you're recognizing, that you're seeing yourself right? And you're starting to build those skills, which will only help you in the larger, like, oh, I have to make a decision or what's next for me, right? Well, you're starting to do the work of knowing yourself by doing that Mm -hmm. too.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. So good, V.
3: And I love that you said like messy because Mm -hmm. I think so much of like our avoidance of things being messy or me saying this wrong, or I think something V says a lot is like, I'm not going to say this perfectly, but I'm going to say it. Or mm-hmm. Vanessa will talk about like writing stuff down to come mm-hmm. into a conversation. Like we don't have to do this perfectly. And I think it's the no attempt such thing. to do things perfectly <laughs> a lot of times keeps us from saying the things. So let yourself be a hot mess. Mm-hmm. Let yourself be judged by him or whoever else. Beautiful. I'm a hot mess. I'm human. I get to be. I'm not <laughs> apologizing for it.
4: Thank you.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So do us a favor, Rachel, keep us posted, let us know how things are going, you know, drop us a line, um, just keep us abreast of the kind of your unfolding, if you will. Mm -hmm. I will. I will do that. Thank
4: you. Thank you for, um, your continued guidance. Um, I love what you, what you both do and and how you go about doing it. Um, your Mm -hmm. podcasts, your social media is like everything.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Receiving that. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for joining us for this
3: episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
1: And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast.